0: G'day and welcome to another episode of Path Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Marn, and today I'm really excited to have our client and buyer's agent along, Tommy Segoro from Easy Buyer's Agents. And the reason I wanted to get him onto an episode is he's really gone about focusing on positive cash flow properties and I wanted to bring that other perspective because I'm very much normally focusing on how to get growth, how to choose the highest performing suburb for growth. I want to give a more balanced view. If you're starting out and you can't afford the higher end properties, or if you are wanting to more focus on cash flow instead of capital growth, there's no one size fits all strategy. And by educating you and exposing you to some of Tommy's thinking, I'm hoping that you can see what fits and what doesn't and and look at creating a strategy that's going to be best for you. And you can also do a thing called pairing where you might pair a positive cash flow property with a negative, more negative geared growth property and that way have a more even balanced overall neutral portfolio. So keep that in mind as we get it stuck into things. Let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth Property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here's your host, Jared Mann. Hey, Tommy. Great that you come along to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I know we have lots of chats ongoingly about the markets and about various clients of ours that you're helping and I just thought it would be a great idea to get you along today to share some of your knowledge and experience in the market as a buyer's agent and I'm really excited to have you along.
1: No, thank you. Thanks for having me. Happy to share.
0: Absolutely. So uh, what sort of activity are you seeing out there in the market at the moment
1: I, I still see a lot of owner-occupiers being very busy in the market. Investors, obviously, th- there are investors, but you know, investors being investors, they, they obviously want to find deals and, and it's, it's harder at the moment because as, as an investor, you can never compete with owner-occupiers, right? So I think there, there are always investors, but generally um, the ones who are paying for, for crazy high prices are owner-occupiers. I've spoken to uh, several agents. The ones who are selling in more of like I think lower socio economy, I think they they express the the market has kind of slowed down a little bit, but the ones in the owner occupier sort of suburbs, you know, like medium up suburbs, uh, we're talking let's say Buriguan, Bedford, just Applecross, you know, those sort of suburbs, they they are still selling selling very very hot. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: one trend I've seen in the lending stats of how much lending is going to investors versus homeowners and. The investors are still only at about 30% of the peak mm-hmm. that they were at in the, the past cycles. So right. we've got a lot more to go with investors coming back to the market. And I think a lot of our clients especially are still just getting their values back to where they were And once they have their equity, then they can start looking at doing something Mm. and believing in Perth property again. And that's why I'm encouraging them to try to push outside the comfort zone a bit sooner because the market is going to be much further along by the time they get there. So. We're, we're mainly seeing the east coast investors and not not the locals. So, are you dealing with many overseas and east coast?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I just signed a couple investors from New South Wales. No, surprisingly enough, yeah, yeah. I think um, they they probably see the the value, how cheap properties are here in in, in WA. With I think with with WA investors, probably they have been burnt maybe in the past. Maybe during the mining boom, they've they've purchased you know all these crazy prices. The top there. in two thousand sixteen
0: or yeah. Yeah. So I think I think they probably want to buy again, except maybe they're in the negative equity. Who knows? Well, hopefully they can get into the market while there's still some run ahead. And I think it's gonna be two to three years, but the most gains probably coming in the next twelve to eighteen months. What sort of time frame are you thinking? Things,
1: I, no? I think so. I, I think I think when it comes to property, you, you can always find deals and values yeah. anytime. But generally, I think because you're right, and you know, like the, the properties that I purchased in 2019 and early 2020, the one 200k, if not less, have now all been like similar properties nowadays in the same street have been marketed for like 240, 250. So yeah, straight away, sure. you know, that's that's 25 more than
0: well, I've paid
1: in the past. So th- yeah. th- that that and kind of thing take. is probably deter. Some investors,
0: when they look at that, but I guess it depends on the yield still, because like if you're still getting five to six percent, and the rents are still going up in most areas, and will do for some time, so it depends what you're comparing it to, doesn't it? Because I know you got some very sweet deals when things were down. Yeah, so your that, that's true. That's are right. pretty high. Yeah. I think um,
1: some some investors at the moment, at least some some of my clients have expressed they they just want to wait a bit. In the sense, they just want to see what the see effect what of JobKeeper, you know, being rolled, rolled back now, what, what the yeah. effect of that will be in the market. Obviously, we haven't seen much effect no. just yet other than people sort of like backing off because of the prices that has, has gone up yeah. you know, so much. But in terms of the confidence, I think it's, it's still pretty strong just because people can't go anywhere. So they have yeah. all this extra cash <laughs> yeah. where else, uh, other than maybe crypto, right? Yeah. <laughs> you probably just
0: put it in, in, in property. So, well, as I yeah. say to the people when they ask me, when did I last go on a holiday? And we worked it out the other day. It was September 2019. Wow. And we've instead just been uh, upgrading and buying property and, right. um, you know, focusing on business and what we can focus on. And we do need to get a holiday booked in, by the way, <laughs> desperately. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> when you've got a yeah, toddler as well, you'd know. It's not exactly appealing to spend three to five hours in the car Mm. with them when a half an hour trip to the shops is a big deal. (laughs) Yeah, but I guess everyone's uh, saving their money and putting it into, you know, starting to put it into property and other assets. I think so.
1: I think so. I mean, you, you see, let's say crypto; it, it's just gone up in
0: value by crazy. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's just showing well, that, that could people another podcast, but not, not uh, Perth Property Insider, anyway. So, so tell us about your investing so far because you started when the market was very difficult and you couldn't rely on capital growth from the the up cycle. We were we were still in a down cycle when you were buying your properties. So, tell us a, a bit about your journey so far.
1: Yeah, well, obviously I, I started in 2006 and back then I, I, I didn't buy a good asset, so to speak. I, I just bought anything. People advised me that you should buy property to save tax. Obviously, yes. you know, you know the story. I lost about 50K in, in six years that I hold the property for. And then since then I was like, maybe property is not for me. But then as, as, as I went along, I studied and it just gave me back the, the confidence. And I, I started again, yeah, in, in late 2018, early 2019. And then that's that's when when I bought most of my properties. I think when I started again from from that bad experience, uh, I started with a, a brand new build. So I, I bought a, a land in in Coburn Central back in 2019, 2018, and then I, I built new. So that's that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Uh, but then since then, I've I've been sort of looking at other. Strategies. And then that's when I started to like start applying the, the the cash flow strategy. I read some people who accumulate so many properties and they were buying all these cheap properties. So, like back in the days when I first read the book, I was like, there is no way I've been looking into the market that, that there are no cheap properties. Right. Yeah. But then 2019, when I went back into the market, I was like, holy moly. Well, you know, I, I, I saw some 200K, if not less sort of deals and, and I look at the rental vacancy rate and and look at the rental price yes it has the, the rental price itself has gone down obviously because it was the, the the downturn but nonetheless if you look at the yield it's still it's still pretty good so, so that's when good of, time, yeah. yeah yeah so that's when the, the light bulb moment kind of light on and I was like okay maybe I should start so so I I bought one and then I went back to my broker and he was like oh you know you earn extra income so the bank is willing to just give you the same amount of, of borrowing power. So I, I just I just keep keep buying. I put in 10% deposit. And then I've been I've been buying since then. Now I'm at a point where I, I don't have much cash left in the process of refinancing. Hopefully I can get some equity out and and start buying again. So that, that's really where my, my journey has been. I, I quite like
0: yeah. And you added value to some properties along the way as well, didn't you? Mm. So what were the various I know you've you've got a, a whole bunch of them you can talk about. Mm. Um, but what were some of the ways that you I guess how did you find find value and then add value? Like I, I, I try to find, let's say, a a four by one
1: properties, right? I can add a bathroom and, and the value can can go up by fifty hundred K. So that's, yeah. that's one strategy. Um, another strategy is just obviously the, the positive gearing, you know about it, you know, um, huge rental yield. Um, I try to find anything 6.5%, if not more. Now it's getting a bit more difficult because of the price. But nonetheless, yeah, so back then that's that's what I was looking for. And and at the moment, I I, I quite like the, the renovation strategy as well because, yeah, like renovation, I, I think is is a good way for you to create equity. Yeah, so that I've, at, at the moment I've, I've been looking sort of,
0: either renovation or or just buy and hold with 6.5% gross yield. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, And that's
0: the reason I wanted to bring you on because Mm -hmm. anyone that says that one strategy suits everyone, I think, is bullshitting. And Mm. you've got to start somewhere and also look at the best strategy that's going to suit your situation. So if you don't have that much deposit to get together and you can't afford a negatively geared property Mm. per week, well, going and buying a high quality property that is going to outperform is not really the strategy that you can start with, of course. Mm. You've mm. got to start somewhere and, and that's what I love. I, I started out in the lower end properties too. Right. So my first property was in Huntingdale and I I did a little letter drop around the uh, suburb and I dropped my brother off on his bike and I gave him some flyers and I, I said, I'll be back in... An hour or two, and this is prior to the days of us having mobile phones. Right. (laughs) So I would just pick him up an hour or two later, and I'd give him 10 bucks to go to the chicken treat while he waits for me. And he would put it into the houses that were looking the worst on the streets. This is in Huntingdale, my first one. Right. So. Then I had one person call me back saying we need to sell our house real quick, and you say that you can settle quickly, and what price would you offer? And went around and took a look, and I ended up buying it at 189,000, and the bank valued it at 240 straight wow. off the bat. So, even a simple right. strategy like that of just going direct to to sellers and finding someone that does need to move on, of course if they had the time and they could wait and use an agent and go the traditional route, then they they would have done that. But mm. they needed a quick sale and I was there to help them out of that situation. So right. then when you do a little renovation on top and – I spent, I think, thousand dollars and by the time it, it, I was finished uh, some four to five months later and it took me a while because the first one, you know, you don't know what you don't know, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it was worth 320 at the time of finishing and it's just a great way to, you know, then you can refinance. We kept that one for another four or five years and waited yeah. to the end of the cycle to, to exit and when you're beginning out as well, it can be a great way to chunk up money so that you can move into better properties if you wish or I guess as you've done keep focusing on the lower end and keep adding your cash flow and getting to a critical point where you are starting to replace some income
1: yeah yeah 100% Uh, I think I think what what you say there is just a perfect example
0: and that can obviously be done at any price point and it all depends on what your situation is as to where you might choose to focus too so, give me a juicy case study of some other problems that you've solved because you've, you've been a real problem solver, solver from what I've seen from the sidelines, and you've taken on a few things that I'm like, wow, uh, I probably wouldn't take that on. Yeah. <laughs> so, tell us about a few of those.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, you know, when, when, when people come to me, uh, especially the
0: investors, they. Yeah. It's not to say that what you've done is for everyone, but I just sure. think for those that are prepared to do. A bit more work and take on some more problems. There can be more payday for solving things. And again, this where I'm at now. I don't want any problems to solve. I, I'm too busy. I just want to find the highest quality of asset and find the highest quality of tenant and have it in the highest quality of area. And and I, I don't. It's not worth my time to spend it in property when I've got other avenues to get a better yeah. return on and so you, you've got to weigh it up depending on where you're at so that's probably the first thing we're not saying this is for everyone <laughs> yeah no saying... look i think
1: um things things for like because when when people engage me they they engage me coming from the perspective of they are very poor. right yeah. so first of all for them to find the deals themselves everybody can find a deal if you've got the time right because yeah. you have to browse through thousands of properties and and find the deal that way but you know, so so first of all, they, they are they are time poor, so that's that's probably the, the one very big problem that I help them with. But secondly, yeah. as well is is someone with, with confidence. Uh, I, you know, a lot of my investors, they they came to me and, and they said, have you got other people in your network for me that can help me with this? That I was like, yeah. So I think I think it's it's the access to the network as well. Yeah. Uh, things for like renovation. I mean, you mentioned about you know obviously you are time poor, you can't be bothered doing renovation and all that. But in, in my case, with my investors, everything is, is managed. I, I get them in touch with people who can who can do the project. You know, all, all we're doing from the investment point of view, we just have to, to cater for the numbers.
0: Yeah, exactly. If you want a project manager, allow for it. If you want to pay a bit more of a premium to give it to one company that does everything and they can give you a fixed price and it's more hassle running around and getting the electrician, the plumber, the, you know, this and that, and the k- kitchen maker. And, you know, but perhaps you pay a little bit more, but you know what you're getting and it's easier.
1: Coming, coming back to the, the question of, of the problems that that answers, so obviously it's if, if you're time poor or if you just, maybe you just need someone to handhold, right? So that yeah. you have the confidence to buy. I, I, I got to be honest with you that if you come to me with very big budget, let's say, you know, you, you want to build a 15-story apartment, it's, it's not a project that I would take on. Put it yeah. that way. But if, if you're a, a small time investor, you, you want to look at adding more into your portfolio, you probably want to do just a small flipping project. That that kind of stuff is, is what I've helped people with.
0: Yeah. And you've probably changed your time horizon a fair bit too, as if I have. And I'm more interested in longer term mm-hmm. holding of properties and not as much the short term of flipping things. So, how did you come to? To changing that in your mind
1: yeah i mean a lot of my investors i I only have one specific investor who's looking for for flipping generally they they want to accumulate right Uh, the the renovation really is is a strategy to create equity knowing that if they want to cash in they can always cash in any time
0: it gives you the buffer in, in case something happens and you know then you can cover your sale costs and your entry costs and if you create at least 10%, then you've got those covered. And if you create 20%, the marker goes down 10%, then you can walk away, you know, with a, as a break even at any time. So it just gives you breathing room, doesn't it?
1: That, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the, the one who's, who's looking for specifically for, like, flipping is, is they are in the older age range. So they were like, well, there is no use for me to, to keep accumulating, yeah, a hold. right? But generally, like the younger ones, they, they, they prefer to accumulate. yeah. yeah.
0: And especially with the runway, we've got ahead of two to three years, and you can never exactly time when a market's going to slow down and, and hit its peak. But you don't need to time if you if you make thirty, forty percent over the next two to three years, and, mm. and then it comes back ten percent. You ride the, the waves in and out, and then you, you're insulated. You've got you've made your money back. You can refinance back out to do something else with buy another property. It's just nice when investors have a longer term view to these things and don't try to yep. um, make it make it all by betting on black <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what are is there any other problems um, or have your I guess renova- your re- renovations have solved various problems haven't they problems with properties and yeah so I think well I mean renovation is is more like
1: you create equity so I think if you want to find especially in this current market where, where you want to find, equity i think renovation is just it's just a, a great way of 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 doing that a lot of a lot of people yeah, I, I hate to say this but like when market was down nobody wants to buy well it was actually the the best time to buy right yes but now that market is is going up and up that's when people want to buy but then if you're not careful then then you can easily overpay and i think renovation is probably one of those ways where where you can actually create equity
0: at least we can be more confident in the end selling price of what you're creating now as well because when the market was going down you might factor in a resale of x amount but by the time you come to get there unless you bought it really really well you can be the value you add can be taken away in the meantime it's harder to renovate and do any strategy when when the market's still dropping by a lot then there was that sweet spot where you were buying stuff where the market was more going sideways and not and, and stable. And if you're adding it a, a lot of value, then you can be still getting ahead in a quiet market when it's going sideways.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, you know, like re- renovation
0: makes the house sort of look yeah. new again, and and, and that, well, that attracts increases value, increases your rent, attracts a better quality tenant, which is the thing that. Is often not spoken about, and people often ask us, "Oh, well, why won't you manage my property, Jared?" And, and we're like, "Well, you know, it does need to meet a minimum standard for us. It has to be clean, well presented, well maintained." Yep. And we find if those basics aren't there, then and and some others like we prefer properties. Well, we insist that we have air conditioning and. We right. insist that it obviously meets the compliance for renting and a lot of the basic stuff. But when we don't have that, whenever we took one on, it's like we'd always inevitably that that would be the tenant we'd be going to court for. So we just don't manage them now unless the owner's prepared to, to get them that place. So how okay. important, I guess, is a property manager in, in your uh, team? Because I know you've managed your own properties just like I have. And mm-hmm. God, I've got some horror stories from when I managed my personal properties because you just get too close to the tenant situation, and I had one, and I hope you don't mind me sharing because I've never shared it on a podcast before. But I was managing my own property, and the tenant was behind in rent, and they weren't exactly treating the property that well. And so I, I allowed them out of their lease because they they were wanting to break lease, and they because they said that their son had died, and I was like feeling really sorry for them, and got them some flowers and. Allowed them out of the lease, excused the rent that they had to pay, and I, I thought I never even thought twice that they weren't telling me the truth. And then I got a call from the the next door neighbour one day saying that the past tenants had come by to collect their mail from the mailbox. And and Jared, you know that their son that you thought was had died. The he's running around the front yard right now, and it was just very disheartening as to when you get close to your tenants and you're not objective to what's going on. And it's a more extreme example, of course, but happened to me. <laughs> then from that point onwards, even now when I have my, all my property managers, I get them to manage my properties and I don't want to have that close relationship with a, with a tenant and I just want to keep them arm's length. So how did you go with managing your own and what's the difference you found I guess, in coming to us as a client over the last few years? Yeah,
1: yeah, well, I I think for me, I'm pretty good in terms of distancing myself emotionally. You know, what what I'm lacking is is time. Like when when I engage you, uh, I've got three properties obviously with you and the kind of report you produce, right? The follow-ups and all that. I look at the first property condition report that you produce. I'm like, there is no way if I'm managing my own property, I can produce something like that, right? But it's very important because you have to go to insurance. They they would want to see that. Right. Yeah. And, and the fact that I can have a, a professional. And when
0: we go, if we ever have to go to court as well, it's just, that's right. You know, here's the evidence. And, and as soon as the tenant sees it again, how it was to begin with, it's what keeps us out of court because they, they know not to challenge They wouldn't bother challenging it because it's black and well, it's not black and white. It's in color for them to see. <laughs> so yeah, simple things, but makes a difference.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think um, the, the biggest thing is obviously just time. Initially, I was I was having that knife thinking that, well, why would I pay someone? You know, two grand annually. That's just for one property. If I have 10, it will be 20 grand. But then now I look at the, the amount of time that that is taken <laughs> to manage yes. a property. I was <laughs> like, even if I pay myself, every time I do property condition report, I, even if I pay myself, right? Yeah.
0: It's, it's still, it's just not not worth exactly. the stress. Especially yeah. when it's tax deductible. And, uh, you know, you can... 30 to 50% back from the tax man too. I guess we've spoken a bit about the cash flow kind of strategy and also renovating. Is there an investing formula you'd suggest for someone that's starting out? Uh, that's, that's a
1: really good question because I've got a few investors in my clientele who are first-timers. One of them was a 21-year-old and we, we bought a property that is already talented. So positive cash flow property again is is cheap property that has potential value at is already tenanted. So I think I think for someone starting out, I would suggest something that is safe. I've got another investor who, who was engaging me because she was looking at my and buying tenants
0: can actually be a good idea because it immediately stops 70% of the market who are the home buyers who are overpaying for things usually from even looking at the property. So I was never afraid of tenanted properties too, because can come in and so if, if there's a, a tenant issue as well we can come in and solve that and look it might take you know two three four months to to solve the tenant issue but if you get thirty thousand off in your price and it costs us five grand by the time we're all done to solve it and get them out and we might have a bit of lost rent in the meantime i'm talking about bigger problems with the tenant you can obviously go in in your due diligence and ask for the ledger and their payment yeah. history and see what you're getting yourself in for. And you'd be surprised mm. <laughs> how many investors don't even ask for those things before making an offer. And it's critical in my mind to know exactly what you're buying with this tenant. And you can ask for the routine inspections and the ledger. The ledger the key thing because that shows, you know, whenever a tenant has gone into arrears or ever been served with a breach notice. So, yeah, I love that you um purchased that one. Tenant, it's a good idea for to keep on the radar for people. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I think the, the only downside is just we just especially if, if they sign during the moratorium period. Yes. Yeah, the, the rent was very low. Yeah. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, at least the is already there. You know, it's already yeah. ten that you don't have to worry. Because I think as a first timer, sometimes you have these worries. Initially, this these clients of mine, they were like, Oh, how easy is it, Tommy, to to get a tenant? And I was like, Well, I show you the, the vacancy rate, but still right? Yeah. It's just numbers. You just don't know if your property yeah. is different
0: knowing that it's already tenable. Well, Because the other thing we can do is if it's vacant, we can obviously put some clauses in to allow us to show the property during the settlement period and permission yeah. to, we can, we can use the agent's photos if we get permission in the contract too. And then very often than not, we've got a tenant within a couple of days of settlement to move in instead of a couple of weeks that it might otherwise take. So that's something else that, that buyers should keep in mind. Absolutely.
1: I think, I think what you said is, is great because, you know, I've, I've been dealing with, with you and your company and, and th- those sort of advice from the tenancy point of view is just it's just yeah. priceless. We'll pay
0: for ourselves before we get started, ideally. <laughs> so why have you chosen to focus on cash flow? Because it's been a conscious choice of yours and, and it's good to see you doing it well. Yeah, well, I think for me, obviously, because I, I came from
1: a bad experience. It, yeah. this is this is this is just my my opinion, my observation, right? Property is is a game where if you can run with it for a long time, you will always win. Yeah, at the
0: end. exactly. Always, always, yeah. right? Power of compounding, and you go through the cycles, and it's crazy what can happen over thirty years when you just run a basic spreadsheet and extrapolate it out. But yeah, where people fall down is. If at some point in your little spreadsheet you have to sell, it's the worst time in the market to do so. And it breaks my heart when I've had to do this for various clients of ours when we've exhausted every other possibility. Mm. We've, we've, We've tried to refinance, lower their interest rates. We've increased the rent as much as possible. We've added some value to try to get equity up and get rent up and then still they're not... People can. The critical thing is when you don't have a buffer That's where people probably go really astray. Something happens, they might lose their job or have a series of misfortunes happen to them. And then when they don't have the buffer, difficult decisions at difficult times, that's pretty much the recipe for uh, investing disaster. So it's been all too common, hasn't it? That that's right. That's right.
1: I think I think with, with cash I mean, you know, people sell obviously with, with different motivations. Some of them yeah. are maybe motivated because financially they have to. Or maybe they, they bought a negatively geared property, but but some people maybe just get scared. They might be thinking, Oh, market's gonna go down again. But if you have a positive cash flow property, at least you're not looking at, at your property, just all all negatives. At least there are some positives it's, in it. So that, that helps psychologically. That yeah. helps because sometimes you, you want to sell, you'll
0: be like, Oh, you know, but that property gives me three hundred bucks yeah. a week. Well, half the time, believe it or not, I spend a lot of my time talking our clients out of selling if it's not justified and they don't have a good reason to. Right. Because something can happen or they get a bit of maintenance to do and they're like, oh, the property's been costing me a bit to maintain lately. I haven't seen any growth in two years. I'm going to sell it. But Little do they know, we've got the boom around the corner. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, you know, It's that's always right. hard to predict these things. And we obviously thought it was going to happen a lot sooner and got delayed, 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 and then finally kicked on with uh, COVID being the catalyst but not necessarily the re- the cause. So, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that psychology element because that's really important, isn't it? Because I think the stat is something like 80% of property investors um, or thereabouts only have less than two properties. I think I think the stat is, the, the, it's really high anyway. Um, I actually wrote it down the other day. I'll find it while we're talking. But you have to ask, well, why don't people own more than than two or certainly own more than one? And Because one's not really going to set you up. It's not no. going to give you enough even when you extrapolate that forward with the power of compounding. So... I think this if you can keep moving forward and keep uh keep positive about your properties <laughs> mm. then it can be a big difference for some people.
1: Yeah, uh, 100% I like I've got this particular uh, client of mine initially in the past he was just doing build rent up, right? Build new and then, yeah. and then rent yeah. it up. But now since since he's been engaging me, uh, I've purchased sort of like five or six for him and, and he's now moving into that strategy as well because He's got he's got more than twenty now, right? And and he reckons with eighty percent deposit, he's getting between five to ten K net. Well, before before tax, but net as in you've paid all the, the property management fee, yeah, council rates and all that. So five to ten, and if you have twenty of them, that's that's two hundred K, right? Yep. That's that's two hundred K cash flow. And and, and yeah. you can just keep buying that way that way. So
0: there's, many there's some... paths to that same end outcome of replacing your income and You've just got to work out which path is for you and execute because where people, I think, fall down is they're not executing on either strategy. They're just buying one, sitting on their hands, getting potentially scared or upset by what they're doing, not really getting results in any one way. And then they might sell it after five years just before the boom comes. And (laughs) (laughs) classic tale of, I just found the stats actually, so you'd be blown away, 71% have one property and eight, so 19% have two properties. So together, it's like 92% have less than two properties. Wow. 92%. And it drops off rapidly from there. So only 5.8% have three, right. four, there's 2% have four and then six or more, there's only less than 1% have six or more. All property investors in Australia, one percent. Wow. So yeah, anything that gets you from to building a portfolio is what see you much better off when the down the road when the compounding has its time to work. And it's not always about number either. It's it's about if your end goals to replace your income. There's lots of ways you can do it. So you do need the numbers when you've got the small cash flow contributions though. Yeah, no, that's that's true. That's
1: true. I think, uh, like, for for me personally, you know, I've, I've got a, I've, I've got a goal of by the time I
0: retire, I just want to have minimum of ten properties, tenants okay. 10 at three hundred bucks a week. See, I've swung the other way of more. I'm focusing on quality and just growing for super high quality assets, but it's a different strategy to yours. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think for me, because uh, I, I need the passive income,
0: because uh, I'm, I'm yeah. always weary of, because I've I've seen
1: people who are very good at, at what they're doing in, in their job while they were young, right? But
0: as they grow old, they, they just get replaced by the younger. <laughs> yeah. Because you're in IT, aren't you, as your other your other world of that you're in as you, before you got into buyer's agency. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. So I, I'm just weary
1: that at least I, I have to be able to make <laughs> hundred thousand dollars a year just just yeah. to pay for my day-to-day living expenses. That's that's really the, the only reason I'm I'm getting into the, the, the cash flow game.
0: Yeah, well, I just interviewed Lacey Filipich, which has got a really awesome book called Money School. So you'll have to listen to that episode when it comes out, because she's all about the financial education to replace your income and financial independence and being time rich. So go back and check out that episode, listeners, if you haven't already, because it's a really good one. But I guess, uh, what are some of the other mistakes you've seen investors make along the way? The, the, the biggest one, I think they are just focusing solely on
1: capital growth, right? It's almost like this. I, I want to open a burger store because it costs me three bucks to, to make a burger. I can sell it for 15 bucks. That's fivefold, right? But then they don't consider everything else that comes with opening up a store, right? All the running costs, stuff and everything. I, I think it's the same with, with property. I think um, if you're just looking at capital growth, it's just one aspect of property, but like you said, you know, uh, it, many people are not able to hold yeah. until they can realize the, the equity because of the other things that that come with it. it. It can be it can be so many things. Even even their personal relationship is important, right? What happens if you let's say you have to to split <laughs> from your partner? Yeah. But also the running cost of the property, right? The council rates and that 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 what has killed me in the past is because I was planning for a holiday, everything is set, right, and then here comes the the council rate, $2,000. And then the annual water rate, a $1,000. I'm like, oh my gosh, where where can I get the money from? So this kind of thing affects you psychologically. And then the maintenance as the product gets old. You have to maintain them and all, all of them need, need money. So I think if you're just focusing solely on capital growth, it is very dangerous because yes, well, it will happen. You just don't know when. And until that happens, you just have to be able to to, to hold so that that would be the first biggest mistake i've seen so many buyers you know that make including myself in the past and and also i think that the second one is is just buying in the areas that, that they know as a property buyer i mean it's, it's it's only natural that you ask your friends and families where to buy but then you ask people who just don't know any better so like in, in my case in the past i've always been at just buy in canningville wilson bentley Kennington that's it and i'm like is that all? And and every time I've I got I got clients now, I, I can tell straight away they would just ask me a direct question, oh, what do you think on this particular suburb? And, and I can tell straight away it's it's one of those suburbs that are just so popular. <laughs> yeah uh, in, in terms of you know jargon wise, but but they never consider other areas that can bring value and, and profit. Yeah. So I think I think those in probably are, are the two biggest mistakes that, that that I've seen, including myself, have have made.
0: And I think on the first one about Focusing too heavily on growth, you've got to, I think, focus on your situation first and understand that and then choose the strategy and the property to suit. That's right. Because there's no one-size-fits-all. It's like I'd meet people that have got very little experience and very little capital trying to do a big development and and it's just insane to me that they're they're drawn towards the sexiness of a development and when they haven't have even done a, a rear subdivision or, or a duplex before. So yeah, yeah, start yep. with the basics, whatever strategy and surround yourself with people to execute can always be another great way to not make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I've, I've got people, I've got
1: clients who have a lot of money, right? Even though if they lose on a couple of deals, they're fine financially. But then in yeah. my opinion, if you don't have to lose money, why why should you?
0: Okay. So what strategies I guess are you able to help investors with? Because we've danced across a few, but it'd be great to get a bit mm. of a summary and as to how you can help people with your buyer's agency and tell us a bit about what you're doing with people. Sure. Well, I, I suppose I can tell you
1: straight up. Obviously,
0: I've mentioned this before. If you if
1: you come to me with, you know, you ask me to do a fifteen story apartments. That's not something I can help you with. But but if you're a small time investor, right? Buy, hold, positive gearing, renovation, just just a, a small scale projects. You know, retain, subdivide, that that kind of thing. I can I can help. Uh, the, the biggest thing I think from from my perspective is how I can help is to find you a a really quality, I suppose, profitable property deals. Because you know I'm I'm not a buyer's agent who who get paid by by the seller. I'm I'm a buyer's agent who who get paid by the buyer to find them property deals. So I, I I'm really going around. Uh, I can from a IT background as well. So I'm very analytical in the way I present information and things like that to my to my clients. But yeah, and anything a lot of a lot of strategies that 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 I've applied. Airbnb is another one for example. I just got this client who came back for the second one now because his first one is making very great like four thousand a month or something like that through Airbnb. So just different strategies um as long yeah. as it's it's a small scale sort of project. Okay.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Might have to get you back again sometime and see what you're up to. And you're always doing interesting things and helping people get great deals. So be good to chat again.
1: No, thank you, Jared. I really appreciate bringing me on. Really Cheers, appreciate it. Yeah, thank see you. Up. Have a good day. Bye.